Hello and welcome to Community Online. It's so good to be with you today. I just got word this week that our online and in-person gatherings have increased by more than 350 people in the last 12 months. So thank you for being part of our growing church family. Uh, to get started today, I wanna take a quick survey. Would you consider yourself a fairly observant person? Would you consider yourself a fairly observant person? If you'd say, yeah, I tend to notice things, just type yes in the chat room or just raise your hand right where you are. Now, I, I raised my hand, but truth is, I'm not the most observant person in the world. You know, on more than one occasion, my wife, Lisa, has asked me, notice anything different? Now, when your wife or significant other asks, notice anything different? You've got less than five seconds to answer and you'd better get it right. It's similar to that feeling when you're in grade school and the teacher would say, clear off your desk, we're having a pop quiz. Instant panic, right? Notice anything different is the relational equivalent of a pop quiz. And I've learned the two best answers are new haircut or new outfit. <laughs> but the truth is, there is no right answer to the question, notice anything different? Because by the time she asks, it is too late. I should have already noticed, and I didn't. Now, I wanna see how observant you really are. I wanna show you a photo of a crowd of people, and I want you to make note of what you see. Okay, you ready? It'll only be up for a few seconds, so make as many observations as you can in that brief time. Here's the pick. Okay, we're gonna come back to this. And I do have a prediction and a confession about this. My prediction is this. If you were to tell me what you observed about that photo, you'd tell me that you saw a crowd of people. You might even note something about the room or the place they were gathered. But my hunch is you won't remember much. And my confession, I like what we saw in that photo. I, I like a crowd. I love the energy and buzz of a full room. Uh, when I give a talk, I like it when there are a bunch of people listening and hopefully learning and growing. And I like being in the crowd. I like concerts, festivals, packed houses. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at a conference with about 5,000 of my good friends who were all in the same room worshiping together. So yes, I do like crowds. But I will tell you this, I love community way more than I love a crowd. I love community way more than I love a crowd. And real community does not happen in a crowd. The church, us, you and me, from the very beginning, we're designed to best function in community. Uh, take a look at what Luke, the doctor and historian wrote about the first church and just see what you observe. And he writes this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers worked together and had everything in common, everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, anyone. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved, those who are finding their way back to God. Now, as we read these verses, I think we can all observe that the early church assembled as a crowd, right? It says they continue to meet together in the temple courts. But if we look a little closer, we will see that those first Christ followers lived so much of their lives in community. 
It says they broke bread in their homes and ate together. So they may have assembled as a crowd, but they shared life in community. They may have assembled as a crowd, but they shared life in community. Let's take another look at what happened when those first followers of Jesus shared life in community. Uh, Luke describes it this way. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but I noticed that their devotion was not an individual activity. No, the early church knew their relationship with God was not something to be experienced alone. They were devoted to learning together, to spending time with one another, celebrating communion and praying with each other. Teaching, prayer, fellowship, eating all together in community. I grew up in a church where we spent a lot of time gathered as a crowd. And when that crowd gathered, we sat in pews. Anybody else remember sitting in pews? I mean, the name alone is not good. I mean, who wants to sit in a pew, right? I remember going to my grandparents' church as a little guy, and the pews weren't even padded, more like park benches, super uncomfortable, so uncomfortable it kept me awake. Maybe that was the point. And while I had some meaningful moments sitting there with that crowd in my church as a kid, what I remember most and what had the greatest impact were those times we gathered, not as a crowd, but those times when we came together in smaller communities, where we would actually get to know each other. And I was able to share life with other kids just like me. You know, when I was in junior high, I was a part of the youth group. And we had a student ministry director whose first name was Sky. Yes, S-K-Y, Sky. I mean, with the name Sky, you're already heroic to a bunch of junior high boys. But not only that, he could hoop it up pretty good. So his name was Sky. He could play basketball. I mean, what more do you need? And because we thought Sky was a pretty cool dude, he could draw a crowd. Uh, my youth group was one of the largest in the area, but I will tell you this. What had the greatest impact was not Sky's name, his court skills, or his ability to draw a crowd. What made the biggest impression on me as a junior high kid was when he would get us together in smaller groups where we could talk about what we were going through in school or at home. In those small groups, I mean, we would laugh and play games together but at times, we would get serious about life and pray together, dive into scripture and, and talk about what it means to follow Jesus. I'm telling you, that was life-changing for me. And by the way, you know, that's exactly what we want for our kids in Kids City and our students and our student community. To have a small group of friends where they can connect to one another and, and learn to love and follow Jesus together. It's just plain true that when it comes to growing as a follower of Jesus, Community is better than a crowd. All right, back to Acts 2. We observe this. All the believers were together, together, and had everything in common, everything. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, anyone. It's amazing they sold everything to give to anyone in need. And this wasn't something that was forced on them. This first century church lived in such a way that they wanted to make sure everyone's physical needs were met. So what could that look like for us? Well, maybe it's running errands for someone who is sick or in need. It could mean making a meal for a family that's dealing with a crisis. It might mean driving someone to a doctor's appointment. It may mean a few of you pooling your resources together to cover somebody's rent for a month or two. You see, in community, we can know and meet the physical needs of those around us. When we are in a crowd, it's, it's so easy, isn't it, to, to not even notice those needs. I mean, too often in a crowd, I, I sit looking at the back of your head and you sit looking at the back of somebody else's head. 
But when you sit across the table from someone and look them in the eye, you will see and hear what they need. And they will see and hear what you need. When it comes to meeting physical needs, community is better than a crowd. But you know, it's not just spiritually and physically. Community is better than a crowd also when it comes to providing emotional support. Uh, research even shows that community is better than a crowd. Uh, PBS commissioned a study to better understand the correlation between relational connection and happiness. Relational connection and happiness. And they produced a documentary called This Emotional Life. Here is a quote from that documentary. Uh, researchers have found that people are happier when they're with other people than when they are alone. And the boost is the same for introverts and extroverts. They also are finding that happy people are more pleasant, helpful, and sociable. So being around other people makes us feel happier. And when we are happier, we are more fun to be around, creating an upward spiral of happiness. I love that. What, what a great image of how authentic community works, an upward spiral of happiness. I've heard of depression causing a downward spiral, but the consistent experience of community you see can actually lead to an upward spiral. Maybe that's why it says what it says in Acts 2 about the first followers of Jesus with glad and sincere hearts. With glad and sincere hearts, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. When it comes to providing emotional support, community is better than a crowd. Community is better than a crowd. Now, there's one more way community is better than a crowd. And this last sentence in our passage from Acts tells us, it says, the Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. You know, for years at Community, we've averaged more than one person a day finding their way back to God and getting baptized. More than one person a day. And when someone is baptized, we always love to have them write out their story to encourage others. And the vast majority of people who find their way back to God will say something like, you know, I want to thank my small group. Or, hey, I asked my small group leader to baptize me. Or they will name a, a group of people close to them that influenced them in their walk with God. See, gathering in a crowd helps. It really does. And it can help a lot. But when it comes to people finding their way back to God, authentic community is just plain better. Now, let me be crystal clear. There is no better place to experience the benefits of community than in a small group. There is no better place to experience the benefits of community than in a small group. So today I wanna to ask every one of you to take a risk and connect in a small group. You see, today is the first day of signups for our new small group turn, in-person groups as well as online. So if you'd like to experience the kind of connection I'm talking about today, the kind of connection that, that moves you beyond the crowd to authentic community, then do this, all right? Text the word groups, G-R-O-U-P-S, to 331-226-1686. Scan the QR code on the screen or go to communitychristian.info and we will help you find a small group. There's one more reason life in community is better at helping people find their way back to God. Uh, Jesus said this to his closest followers. He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. And here's the by this, if you love one another. He's saying, if you love one another, others will know that you are followers of mine. And this kind of love best happens in community, not in the crowd. You see, it's in community that the world around us can see us living out what we sometimes called the one another's. 
Uh, the phrase one another is actually used 59 times in the New Testament, 59 times. Here are a few examples. Accept one another, serve one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, offer hospitality to one another, love one another. It's really hard to do that in a crowd. We do this one anothering best in community. You know, a number of years ago, I heard Juan Carlos Ortiz speak. Uh, he was pastor of one of the largest churches in South America. And he told a remarkable story about something that happened one Sunday at his church. Now, Ortiz's church was large, influential, huge crowds, huge crowds would gather every Sunday. And on this particular Sunday, the people, they just sang out with passionate energy. Uh, their prayers were said with a tone of charismatic fervor. The, the people gathered in that crowd were sure the Spirit of God was there as Pastor Ortiz was about to teach that day. Well, during the week, Ortiz had prepared a talk to remind people of the importance of loving one another. I mean, he spent a great deal of time studying Scripture, praying, and, and carefully crafting his thoughts. So he approached the stage that day with an extra level of confidence and boldness. But something happened about halfway from his seat to the podium, he heard a voice in his spirit say, Juan. Yes, Lord, he responded. Juan, how many times have you taught on this passage? I don't know, maybe a dozen, he thought. And as he was about to step up and speak, he heard that same voice ask, did any of those talks do any good? <sighs> Ortiz suddenly realized he had the wrong message. He stood frozen. And as his eyes scanned across the crowd gathered on that Sunday, he saw people whom he'd helped find their way back to God. He saw people he had counseled, people he'd visited in the hospital. He saw people who had heard his teachings over and over again. They knew the words, but still struggled to live out the message. And he stood frozen there as the congregation waited for him to talk. Finally, he said just three words. Love one another. And then he walked back to his seat and sat down. I mean, the people gathered there were silent. You could hear a pin drop. They didn't know what to do. And then Pastor Ortiz stood up and, and walked to the podium one more time and again said, love one another. And just as before, he returned to his seat. This time, heads began to turn. People looked at one another wondering what was going on. They seemed to be silently kind of asking each other, well, what do we do now? After waiting a few minutes, Ortiz again walked to the podium and then very deliberately said to the crowd gathered, love one another. And one last time he returned to his seat. And then after a few moments, a, a man stood up in the middle of the crowd and said, brothers and sisters, I, I think I understand what Pastor Ortiz is talking about. He's asking me to love you. And then that man pointed to a family seated in front of him and said, but how can I love you when I don't even know your name? He then walked over to that family, introduced himself, and he began to ask them a few questions, hoping to discover ways in which he could express God's love to them. Another man stood up and said, I, I think I understand what Pastor Ortiz is saying. He wants me to love Antonio. Antonio was sitting three rows behind him. But how can I love Antonio, the man said, when I still hold a grudge against him? That man left his seat and approached Antonio to seek forgiveness. And with that, 
the floodgates were open and people got up and began to circle up with each other. They began to ask what they could do for one another. I mean, that Sunday, incredible things happened. A, a husband and wife had come to the city seeking medical treatment for their little girl, but didn't have enough money to return home. So someone purchased a bus ticket for them on the spot so that they could get home. Another young man who was looking for a job was introduced to another man who owned a business and needed another worker. That young man got a job. Ortiz said, while all of this is going on, I just sat in my chair praying and watching one of the most powerful messages I'd ever taught. And he would tell you that what he learned that day is this, community is better than a crowd. Let me be crystal clear again. I want everyone to be in a small group, everyone. Our church began as a small group of friends and became a group of small groups. I don't think any of us will ever be all that God wants us to be without a small group of people with whom we can do life together. You know, over the years, I've been a part of a lot of small groups and these people have become some of my best friends. You know, when Lisa, my wife and I got married, people in our group chipped in to piece together a wedding reception we could never afford. When we were newlyweds and the honeymoon was a distant memory, our small group told us it'll get better. And it did. And when our children, Graham and Chloe, were born, our small group came to the hospital to celebrate with us. When we were sick at different times in our lives, our group brought meals to our home. It was our small group who pitched in to provide a vehicle for one of our family members who was unable to afford one. It was our small group that kept us connected to each other and to Jesus during the pandemic. Now, our groups have been a place for us to call home when it didn't feel like we had a home, a place for us to, to, to break out of the crowd and experience community. Let me go back to the opening question, all right? Are you observant? Uh, what do you remember from the picture of the crowd? What do you remember? Uh, my guess is that if you remember anything at all, it's probably something fairly superficial. Now I want you to look at this picture, all right? Uh, this is a picture of my current small group. And you know, with a quick glance, I could tell you a lot. I can tell you that Deanna, she makes some of the best, most delicious desserts on the planet. She loves to bake. I can tell you that Paul and Michelle have two girls in college and they are also passionate about serving people who are experiencing homelessness and they serve in that way regularly. I can tell you about Gianna and Derek. They just got engaged and they make a great couple. I can tell you about Katie. Uh, she just joined our media team and she is loving the chance to serve in that way. I could go on and on. And you know how I know all these things? I've done life with these people in community. This is my small group. So here's the challenge I have for you, okay? I, I, again, I love, I love that we can gather as a crowd, but we all need something more, something more than a crowd. We need a community. We need a small group. Yes, crowds can be good, but community is way better than a crowd.